You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey guys, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Glad you guys are back with us. So I realized that when I decided to release this Studying Scripture series, I did not quite do it in order, did I? But while part of the planning side of me wants to apologize for that, because I would just love for everything to be alphabetical and perfectly in order, I am just a major planner by nature. But if I've learned anything, and I've learned many things in this role, often the Lord causes me to set my checklist aside and do things as the Lord leads and provides. And I mean all of it, right? Timing, message, all of it. But I love how the Lord knows what we need just when we need it. And I often find that these things that seem out of order to me can often come at exactly the right moment too. So we started this series on studying scripture back with first, we just did like a general overview. And I kind of watch you guys through my three step thing that my family does. And like I said, guys, this isn't anything that's super sophisticated. I am not a seminary student. I am just a gal that likes to study the Bible. So I was just sharing what this looks like for me. And we walked through observation. We did a whole episode just on observation. That's kind of the so-called easy part, right? It's finding your setting. Who wrote this? General observations about your text. You get to ask your Bible lots of questions in that process. And I really enjoy that one because you just get to you get to make some notes. Why does it say this? What does this word mean? And all that kind of stuff. But it's just for the observation side of things. And then we move into interpretation. And when we did our episode on interpretation, Pastor Gabe Carter came on and he walked us through some elements of interpreting scripture. Such an important step. And if you didn't hear that one, go back and listen to it because interpreting scripture is one that is so vital because if if we don't do that one well, it will not lend to this next step that we're going to talk about today, application and actualization. It won't be able to render a good application if you are not doing those first two steps, but particularly that interpreting the text. It's really, really important. So go back and listen to that one if you are confused about what I'm talking about there. But why the two parts to this? And you just heard me say that I said this is the application and actualization stage. And uh, probably, seriously, 90% of people would just go, oh, all of that's just application. I know, guys, this is just a picky Amy thing, and it's just a nuanced thing. But the reason we did this, and honestly, I just think we did this from a nuts and bolts family Devo piece. We saw in our kids that it was really easy to say, hey, what does the, how does this apply? And they would always jump to whatever the general application was. But they struggled to then take that general application and then turn it inward and say, okay, what, what does this actually say? How should I change my course of direction? How should I be doing things differently today on this homework assignment or in this decision I'm making or whatever it is? How should that look differently for me? And so we kind of tacked on this little actualization piece. So application for us is just the general, how can something be applied generally speaking? And then the actualization, I just think of it as that's the action piece. That's how do you put your feet to this? What does that actually, what does the action of this look like? So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before I jump straight into what is application and how do we do that and all that kind of stuff, I want to look at 
a little bit of some cautions and a little bit of like, hang on, on, on the application side. Because often, I think we jump to application first. We really want to know what something means. And that's just, that's just a real temptation to us to just get right to that. What does this mean? Remember, I think I talked about maybe it was in the very first studying scripture, what about the Life Application Bible? I had that. I had the Life, and I'm not knocking the Life Application Bible. It's, it's great. I don't remember. I think my parents maybe gave it to me in high school as a graduation gift or something like that. It's a great tool, but that's the focus, right, is application. How does this apply? And again, that's really important. We need to apply the words of scripture, but sometimes jumping straight to that with our, I don't know, I guess our human tendency that we just need to know, no, no right away, that sometimes we can miss out on some important steps. So I guess my issue with heavy focus on application, and I say this carefully because like I said, of course we want to apply God's truth to our lives, but because if we didn't, it would, you know, we would look at scripture as just knowledge and we would not be allowing it to change our course. So absolutely, we want to apply scripture to our lives. But there's a couple of things I think we need to consider to keep all of the aspects of studying scripture in perspective. Because if you jump to application, like I said, you're going to skip two major steps in the scripture of what it has for you and you're going to miss out on a bunch. So I'm going to give you an example of that in just a second. But the other caution that I think this does when we just look at the Bible as purely application is I think we can have a tendency to turn it into a little bit of a self-help book. Good intentions going in, but sometimes that can be. And what does that look like? You know, remember I've said many times that the Bible is not a book about us. It's a book. It's the story of who God is. And the Lord so graciously reveals himself to us. He applies things and and shows us how to have personal application through who he is. But it's sort of that perspective shift of making sure we're observing that the Bible is actually, it's about God. It's not about us. And this is important for us to get that because while the Lord has you know graciously used his living and active word to guide us and direct us and teach us and exhort us and you know all of those things that we want to live by, we just want to make sure that you don't go into your daily quiet time and you have this, the question of, well, what does this mean for me? mentality. And then if you just have that, because what happens then? If if you're in Leviticus and you get through reading a long passage about the law and maybe all the priestly garments or I don't know, wherever you are, I'm in the Old Testament right now, so you can tell what's fresh in my mind, but you can read all that and you're going to walk away and say, well, what did this mean for me? What does that mean? And if that's your only aim, then you're going to come away going, man, I just I didn't get anything out of that, as if that was the goal. But that's where my caution is. That shouldn't be our goal. The goal is not to get something out of it for us, even though super important that application is. Just make sure that the first priority is that you're learning who God is and you're recognizing that that is what the words that you're reading, that's ultimately who it's revealing. So I know that these lines, they cross a little bit, right? And so let's let's talk about an example in this. So, you know, you can read Philippians 4 and you're going to find such good encouragement, right? If you're tired, you know what verse I'm talking about, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it absolutely does give you that encouragement when you are feeling weak and worn down and just, just exhausted. 
you can hear those words running through your mind and you're going, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Great verse. But if you read that only for the, this is going to, you know, be my biblical pep talk of the afternoon, you're going to miss out on a whole bunch more that that passage is saying. Because if you, to take that passage of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if you look at the, first we would go with observation, right? And it would be telling us, well, who is talking and where is he talking? So those observation pieces are going to make you do a little bit of study and you're going to find out that that was Paul talking, right? And Paul, where is he talking? He's talking in prison. He's not having a great day. He is in prison, but he's telling the Philippians this really powerful verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But actually what Paul is saying here in once you observe your observation and you look at your interpretation of what this is, he's talking about being content in any situation. And why can he be content? Because that should be the next question you're going to think of, of, well, how is it that Paul can say this? And that's where you get to some good interpretation, because you can go back to other passages, even there in Philippians, that say why he can be content. Philippians 1.26 says, in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. And I hear that, and I hear that Philippians 1.26 as where Paul is getting the ability to be able to agree with this passage of, I can do all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He answers that question of how? Well, it's in the glory of Christ Jesus in Philippians 1.26. So you have a couple things that happen there, right? And that order is really important as you're studying scripture because first you needed that observation. You kind of needed to see where is this falling here? Who's talking about this? Where is it being talked about? And then you moved into the interpretation of that observation that tells you why Paul is saying what he's saying. And then Here's the thing. If you didn't do those things, if you didn't look at that observation, you didn't look at the interpretation, you're going to end up thinking that Philippians 4.13 is just means that you're going to make that free throw, right? I mean, we've seen that all the time. I have three boys, and so sports are a major deal around here. And, you know, all the the basketball players that have Philippians 4.13 written on their shoes. Again, I'm not knocking that. However, that is a small piece of the pie (laughs) for what this scripture is talking about, because really it's not talking about making the free throw. It is talking about being content in all situations, even a really bad situation like Paul found himself in. Another pause that I would caution you to take, or at least to have a moment of reflection on with application, is what the time frame should look like for our understanding and our application. And I alluded to this earlier because I was when I was talking about that we just kind of want to know right now. Please, I want to know the answer. And if you're like me, you kind of prefer the space of not knowing something to be just about as long as it takes you to Google it. You know, I mean, it it doesn't even matter if it's a super silly thing. It's amazing the things that we'll ask Google or Siri or Alexa these days. And because we just want to know what it is. And I think we found a little bit of a scratch in our head moment this year, right? Because we have gone with this year of 2020. And the big question right now is, why? Why 2020? I mean, fill in the blank. Why? Why, Lord? Why did we have COVID? Why did we have economic shutdown then? The racial division, giant 
unrest on nearly every public platform, for sure, right? Then we've had fires and we've had smoke. If you're here in the Northwest, my goodness. I mean, I'm pretty sure any one of these things would have been enough to make us kind of stop and go, wait, what are we missing here? Why are all these things happening? Why are they happening all together? Why are, I mean, we barely get a breather, it feels like, if we even get one, before it feels like the next thing has come upon us. And there have just been, it's just been unlike any season. And everybody knows that. I'm sick of hearing myself say it. I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing it. But I don't know how else to say that and how else to make us see that implication of there have been so many things this year that we can try to search for the application, the why, the answer to right now. And lots of people speculate, right? I'm sure you guys have read countless blogs on why 2020. Why did we see all of the things that we've seen here? What was the lesson, application of this trial? And I think this is most definitely a a worthy endeavor, good meditation, honest seeking of the Lord. But I'm wondering, does the Lord have to give us his why? You know, that makes us crazy uncomfortable, doesn't it? To think that this whole year could go and we just don't get to know why. But I'm reminded of Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Boy, humbling verse right there. And humbling and then at the same time, it kind of makes a light bulb go off for me too, because we just can't understand all this. And it's funny to me that myself included, we do search for answers. We search for the why. We search and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to teach us in this in this time? And again, I don't think the actual asking is a bad thing because at any time I think we're pressing into the Lord and trying to seek what the Lord would have for us in something. There's good things in that. But I might not get the answer I want. I might not get any answer. I was sort of thinking of it this way. Do you know, you know how when you send a text to somebody and you send a question and then you get those little ellipses, you know, those little bubbles, the dot, dot, dot that that they're trying to respond, you know, and then but here's what happens sometimes. I don't know what happens. I don't know if those dot, dot, dots time out. I don't know if the person has walked away and But sometimes you ask your question, you see the dot, dot, dot. So you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to get an answer. And then nothing. And then you're like, oh, shoot. And, and, And then you go and do something else. And then maybe they respond later. I feel like 2020 has been a giant dot, dot, dot on the text message. Seeing something, asking a question, seeking the Lord, like, man, what in the world is going on? And just when you think you might be grappling with the answer a little bit, you have like the most giant wildfires ever that we've seen in this part of the country. You have smoke and air quality that you quite literally cannot go outside because of the hazardous air conditions for almost two weeks. I mean, just crazy stuff, dot, dot, dot. It's like there just isn't this answer. There isn't. It's not there. So I don't know. I don't even know where to go with that in saying, because I don't have a good answer because I don't know that the Lord wants to give me a good answer. But here's what I've gotten out of this as I've asked that question of why and what is 2020 is anytime there's uncertainty. And just like I told you, the perspective with studying scripture is not to jump to that application. But maybe the question is not why or even what the lesson is, but who are you 
God. Who are you? And I feel like the times when I have felt anxious and just completely disconcerted by the things going on in our culture or the things that we're seeing, that all feels amazingly tumultuous. And especially as you try and grapple with the why and the what and how to solve whatever it is that we're seeing, it just feels like a mess, doesn't it? But for me, when I start asking, who is God? And I feel like in some ways, I have been able to see things about the Lord in this year that I just, I don't think I've ever seen quite to the level that I've seen. I don't think I've ever experienced it quite like this. And so, you know, I'll just give you an example. One, I think the first time this kind of hit me was right when COVID, when lockdown life hit. And literally the entire world, it seemed, came to a halt. I mean, truly, guys, economically, everything, school, you remember, everything stopped. And it made me realize, you know, all the things that you see in scripture relating to the last days. And boy, that is a powerful study. If you're not following along with us at Athey Creek, Pastor Brett's been doing once a month prophecy updates that really highlight these scriptures about the last days and and see the things that are around us and, and then seeing it through the lens of scripture. But the thing that I've loved about those studies in particular is it's just made these passages about the last days just come maybe see them in a fuller color than perhaps I had been able to before. It's made me observed, for me, just the grandeur of the Lord, kind of in line with that Isaiah 55, 8 verse of my thoughts or my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. He is capable of so much more. He is so holy. He is so other. It really is quite comical that our small minds try to grasp and grapple with what all the meanings of these things are. And that's why for me, like shifting to what can I see and focus on the things about the Lord? That's when I have found true peace during this season. When you are observing, when you're seeing the things that the Lord is, what he is doing around us, that's where there's been peace and calm and a just healthy perspective for me. The other moment for me happened pretty recently. We had this giant, giant thunderstorm here in Oregon. And I am from Wyoming, and I grew up mostly in Wyoming and a little bit in Colorado, where thunderstorms are not that uncommon. I mean, in the summertime, for sure. I mean, you have some for real, like shaking the the windows kind of thunder. So it's not that I've never heard crazy thunder and lightning and all those kinds of things. But I've lived here in Oregon for over 20 years and never have I seen, heard anything like what we experienced in this thunderstorm whenever that was a week or so ago. And I mean, I woke up at 3 a.m. when it was going on and realized, and it just didn't stop. It just kept going and going and going. And again, it was just another one of those things this year of like, hmm, yep, of course, if, if you're going to have a thunderstorm in Oregon in 2020, it's going to be this kind. It's not going to be a normal thunderstorm. Everything's going to just take it to an 11 this year. But I always loved thunder. I remember as a kid loving thunder. And, you know, in your small little kid mind, you make up kind of stories of what you think the Lord must be doing in heaven. I know there are really cool scientific answers for what causes thunder and all that kind of stuff. I don't really care about those because to me, it is something that you can observe and have like feel with your senses that is just exhibiting the power of the Lord. So 
Of course, when we experienced this major one, whenever that was a week or two ago, it just rocked me again with awe of, man, the Lord is so big, so big, so powerful. And I, I love that. And for me, I'm thinking I'm learning much more about observing the things that give me qualities of the Lord in these crazy trying times than trying to grasp and figure out the why. Another one, you know, here with the smoke, we had all the, a lot of our skies turned this really odd orange and in some places red. Did not even know that the sky did that. If you guys are listening to this and you're not in Oregon I or the Pacific Northwest, I think, um, I think California saw some of this also. But I go online, Google up some pictures because there are times in there's passages that talk about the moon turning blood red and different things, references to the things that will happen in the end times. And no, I don't think we're like literally in the tribulation, even though it may feel that way. But I do think we are in times. But to actually see your sky turn a color that you're going, huh, I did not know that it did that. It just, again, showed to me, again, another hand of the Lord in that. He is orchestrating all of these things so perfectly and grandly. I don't use the word grandeur or grandly very often, but that just keeps what I keep coming back to when I have been thinking about all this, because it's just so, his scope is so far beyond us. And I feel like we have observed those things with our eyes. We have felt them in so many ways this year that just a simple application, a simple of why is 2020 happening? You're going to be kind of disappointed with that, I think, if that is your only aim is to figure out why this year has happened. But I feel like we can get so much more application or so much more out of being able to experience who God is through the trials that we're seeing. So that's just a a note about 2020. So maybe a challenge for you is to maybe ask yourself, what types of things have you observed about the Lord during this time? What has he shown you about who he is? Because I certainly have clasped onto those scriptures talking about how steadfast and constant that the Lord is, because we've talked about that several times too. There's just everything this year has changed. Everything's changed, but God never changes. So that's another one for me too, just the steadfastness, the constancy of the Lord. So maybe when you're getting really down about this year and the constant trials that just seem to keep coming and coming and coming, take a sec. First, thank the Lord for wherever you're at, because even if you feel like there, it might not seem that there's something to be thankful for, there's always something to be thankful for. And that right there will shift your perspective. And then go one step more to going, Lord, what have I seen about you and who you are in this year? Change the focus off of yourself and then on to what we've seen about the Lord. And I, that will, you'll find much more peace and far more answers to. But perhaps, you know, the goal isn't just to know what fill in the blank means. You know, I really, I love the scriptures that remind us of what our goal is. And it's actually not that we should know stuff. I love Ecclesiastes 12, 13, where it says, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. That doesn't leave a whole lot to wonder about. It says the whole duty of man, our whole purpose is to fear God and keep his commandments. I love a Revelation 4, 11, where it says, for you created all things and by your will, they existed and were created. That's such a great verse. We were created by him 
and for him. We're created for him. We're created to give him glory. We're not created for us. We're not created for us to know why we're in what we're in. That's actually not the point at all. The Lord may choose to fill in answers and give us a why every now and then. That's great. But it isn't the point. It isn't what we're here for. And I know it's hard, you know, to just not know. But I wonder if next time, do this little test for me, because I was challenged by this one time when I really wanted to just know something and you know that you could Google it in five seconds. Just don't. Just not know. It's funny how in our culture, that has just become a feeling that makes us really uncomfortable because we just think we need to know. So maybe next time that you are just dying to Google something, just don't. I kind of wonder if, you know, with our kids, if we have sort of created this atmosphere where if they don't know something, it's kind of the same thing. Well, let's Google that and let's figure it out. And by the way, I think that's completely acceptable if we're talking about math. But I'm not a good math person, if you didn't know this. But what I think we kind of do with teaching our kids a little bit of if you don't know, just, you know, go Google it real quick. We're probably robbing them of a whole lot of imagination, a whole lot of problem solving where they can kind of wrestle through that a little bit. Same thing I told you all about. I think this I'm not going to even remember if this was studying scripture, interpreting scripture. But sometimes when I don't know something right away or I don't see like the immediate link or maybe it's just a question that I found in the observation stage and I, you know, have a question there. I've written it in the margin. I don't understand this. I have been challenging myself to not necessarily go straight to that favorite commentary that I have. I love those tools and I'm, I'm not discouraging you from using those at some point. But sometimes I think the Lord's been asking me to could you seek me about this first? Could we talk about this a little bit before you just jump and try to find somebody else's analysis? Because there's there's good stuff out there for sure. But what are we by our you know desire for this urgency and immediacy of knowledge? What are we leaving out in our learning process? What else would the Lord show us if we could just hang on a sec? Just hang on a second and maybe just not know for a bit. If there's a question you have about scripture, maybe just pray about that for a while. And it's tricky because then you're going, well, how long should I pray about it before I start looking it up? I'm not going to give you the answer to that. I don't know. I think it's probably different for everyone. I know sometimes I've just had a conviction about something that it's just something that I personally need to pray through before I start seeking a whole bunch of other tools, sermons or commentaries. And again, I love all that stuff. Love it. But the timing of these things, sometimes we do just get uncomfortable with being able to hang on a second and just not know. So maybe that's a challenge for us a little bit. Okay, so I said all that and I kind of threw a wet blanket on application. I know, and I'm sorry about that. But I do think it's just important for us to just reflect a little bit on that as we walk through our studying scripture. Because you can't negate the application of scripture, super important. But you notice on our list, it's not first and it's not even second, but it's third on our list. And I kind of like that. It builds on each other. If we went and looked for that application first before we did our observation and interpretation, I think we'd be a little out of whack. So what do we mean by application? Just like I said, generally, application is how is this generally speaking and how can this be applied to me? So just briefly going back to that Philippians 4.13 example, I can do all things. You know, after you've gone through your observation and your interpretation, your application will be that you and I can be content in any circumstance, just like we talked about, even prison. 
even as terrible as all those things, that's actually where that can take us. So then that next part, actualization, is that extra piece that goes one step further and causes us to ask, what will I personally do with this? So what is the action that this is going to bring me to? And like I told you guys, as a mom, this is that extra step in Family Devos that really has helped my kids to go, okay, these words in this book that we read every day that mom and dad put such a, an importance on, what do I do with them personally? And so I do think it's an important question to ask and for us personally and with our kids. But I like this perspective So that's why we add that actualization on. I just like that little nuance there. But let's do an example here of application. So we love to spend time in Proverbs here in my house. So general observation of Proverbs. Got to start off with observation. It's it's wisdom literature, right? We've talked, well, I don't know that we've talked about that, but there are different genres of literature in the Bible that, you know, there's wisdom literature, there's apocalyptic literature, there's poetic, there's all these different things. Proverbs is wisdom literature. So we'd find that in observation, we'd find that it was written by Solomon in there. So that's going to kind of paint our observation of Proverbs. And then you get to interpretation. And boy, there's so much in Proverbs. I One of the things I love about the whole Bible, but you just are never going to get to the end of it. I've mentioned on here before that we do a proverb a day in our house every day because there's 31 days in the month. And so we just do one every day. And we've been doing that for, I don't know, 12, 13 years. We're not done. There's always so, so much more. So there's so much that you can learn. And the interpretation piece in Proverbs is so rich, has so much to say about wisdom and discernment. There's just so much depth about guidance for even practical things that Proverbs really tackles. But an important distinction in Proverbs is sometimes people confuse Proverbs with being promises that God is making to us. And Proverbs are not actually promises to us. They're they're principles. And there's a difference between promise and principle. And how do I know this? Like, you know, because it has to be congruent all throughout Scripture, right? And so, you know, if you look at Proverbs 16, 7, It says that if a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, then he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's a great proverb, great principle. Now, if that was a promise, how would that have worked out for everyone in the Bible? Okay, how would that have worked out for Paul? Paul pleased the Lord. He was serving the Lord. He was preaching the gospel. Were his enemies at peace with him? Well, not exactly. He actually got killed and beheaded. So that was not a promise in that way. You could even say the same of Jesus, right? Were Jesus's enemies at peace with him? And of course, we know that Jesus pleased the Father. So it's just a, a distinction to be made that it is a principle. It's like a guidance here, but it does not mean that that's a promise there. But there's so much rich application in Proverbs. And so I think that's why I decided to drill down on this one just a little bit today. And you're going to think I'm kidding when I bring up this example. But this morning, literally this morning, we talked about Proverbs 21, 9 and 19. So when I read you these verses, you're going to go, oh, wait, I thought Amy had boys. Yeah, I do. And guys, we actually talked about these. So 21, 9 and 29, 19, verse 9 says, It is better to live in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Hmm. Okay, fun one. And then verse 19, it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. 
why did mom bring these up? Usually Chris leads our devotions like 99% of the time, but particularly when there's one that comes up like this, where it's speaking obviously to us as women, I still wanted to talk through this because sometimes scriptures like this become the, well, we don't want to mention that. We don't want to bring up that. And we can get that way even as women. Like, you know, can we talk about applying scriptures like Philippians 4.13 as a whole lot more talking about the application of that, even if it does mean contentment and not that, you know, I can just go forever and not sleep and, you know, whatever thing we try to tell us in our weakness even if that, that seems like a more fun application to do than probably Proverbs 21, 9 and 19. But there's a lot of application here, isn't there? So we, you know, we've already observed, we have interpreted that these, these are principles, not promises. But what is this? What is an application? Talk about good actualization that we can do for these. And, you know, the first one talking about, it says, better to live in a corner of the housetop than house shared with a quarrelsome wife. So there the word it's keying on is quarrelsome. And then it also uses quarrelsome in verse 19, but it expands it and says fretful woman. So that one actually hit me just a smidge this morning as I was sharing with the boys because quarrelsome, somebody who just is contentious and wants a fight. And overall, I think most of the time that's not me in the house. But I thought, ooh, fretful fretful. What's the actualization for me there? Because with that one, there is kind of throwing your hands up or maybe wringing your hands and just being anxious and just overly worried about all the things. And we know that we as women, we set a tone in our household, don't we? I don't think I realized this, and I was sharing this with my boys this morning, that when I was new wife, I had no idea that I was really, my attitude, my demeanor, you know, all of that would have as much influence on the home as it did, even before we had kids, you know, that Chris and I, we worked through that. And I didn't realize, I think, how much control that we women have. But when you look at this proverb, and it's telling you, man, it's better to live in the desert, it is better for them to live on the corner of a housetop. When Chris was describing this to the boys, painting the picture of, you know, living on the corner, meaning there's no safety that you could easily fall off. These are flat houses, but there's nothing guarding you in. And you're better off living there where there's no safety, nothing sheltering you on either side than you are to live inside the house with a quarrelsome wife. It's a strong word to us, ladies. It really is. But we would be amiss if we didn't read Proverbs like this and go, man, yes, I can apply this generally. I can apply this generally in that I want to raise my sons and daughters to not be quarrelsome, to not be fretful, to not be contentious, and to set a good tone and a kind tone in their home. We absolutely can do that. And you can do that general application. But then don't forget to do that extra step of the actualization of going, okay, but Amy, what can you do about this? Because like I said, I, I don't feel like I've been overly quarrelsome, but I do, th I was, when I read the word fretful this morning, I thought, Lord, what is that for me right there? What am I fretting about right now? Because as we set that tone in our house and our kids and our husband, they sense our anxiety about things. We really have the ability to set the tone 
And it can be good or it can look like this. It can make people wish they were in the desert instead of right there with us. So that was kind of what our application looked like for us this morning. And and uh, not really related to this, but if you're kind of scratching your head going, huh, why did she bring this up with her three boys? I don't really know. Other than I just thought that, first of all, I don't ever want to leave a scripture out. And just because I don't have daughters, they're going to marry people someday. And we talked about, guys, it's important to observe qualities and character that are not contentious, that are not quarrelsome, that are not fretful. And then I also gave the the implication of, guys, this is for you too. You know, yes, this is a word specifically for wives in this context, but there's lots of scriptures that just speak generally to mankind. And we know that being quarrelsome and fretful and all of these things isn't something that the Lord wants for anyone, men or women. So a caution for them, their actualization in that, in how they relate to each other, how they relate to the brothers, you know, doing digital school all at home. Obviously, there's a whole lot more interaction, isn't there? So how can we not be quarrelsome? So there's still application, there's still actualization that they can take away, even though it was not something specifically, my three boys do not have wives at this point. So, and that is a good thing, but so much that scripture gives us. So there's one with just Proverbs as an, as an example, because I, I think that one's an easy one to study for application because it can be really, really practical. So that kind of wraps up our whole studying scripture series that we've done. You know, I want to remind you guys, first of all, the biggest thing before you're going to jump into scripture is to pray. I love Psalm 119.18 when it says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. It's talking about the word of God right there. And it says, asking the Lord, open my eyes, increase our ability to observe, to interpret and to apply the word to our life. But those three steps, first observe, you know, mark what's there, circle stuff and ask questions of it. If you don't want to write in your Bible, make them in a separate notebook or something so that you can come back to those questions. Look words up. I find sometimes just even simple words that you, I know the meaning of that, like quarrelsome today. I know the meaning of quarrelsome. Often when you read a dictionary definition, you're going to get something in there that you thought, huh, I had not thought of it quite like that. That happens to me a lot. So interpret then, you know, that deeper layer. And we talked about with Pastor Gabe when we pointed out how important cross-referencing can be in this game. Man, cross-referencing is your friend with this because I think it's so important to let scripture interpret scripture. I've told you guys I have a chain reference Bible. I have a Thompson chain reference Bible. And what I love about that one is whenever it has something in the text that you're reading, it'll say where it's next mentioned right there in the margin. And you can go to that scripture and then it'll tell you the scripture where it comes next. It's such a fun chain to follow and see all the places where that idea, that principle, maybe that word is referenced in other places in scripture. And it's so powerful to be able to effectively interpret scripture because you can kind of see what the meaning is intended to be there often. And then finally, this last one we talked about today, just application. How does this, you know, both generally and then personally, how does this inform what I am doing, thinking, the direction I'm going right now? But remember, sometimes that application will not be a fill-in-the-blank answer. I think anymore lately, I feel like more often than not, it's going to not be a fill-in-the-blank answer. And it might not be the answer if you do get one. It might not look like the answer that you were expecting at all. 
But remember Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And I hope that that verse brings you comfort in application, not doesn't make you fretful, because it's really a piece of knowing all of this rests in the Lord's hands. And we ask that the Lord show us things from his scripture, just like it said in Psalm 119, 18, that he will open our eyes to see the wonderful things in his law. But let our aim with application not just be the things that, how does this suit me? But what does this teach me about the Lord? What do I observe about the character of the Lord? Because that will inform all those other things. That will inform decisions you're making. And you'll feel more at peace studying who God is and the steadfastness of who He is than focusing on your situation and just how it would personally apply to you. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of A.V. Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.